0: Welcome, you're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is January the 16th, 2024. It's been 3,642 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 327 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed. And there is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. There are no changes from yesterday, so if you want to skip ahead, you won't hurt my feelings because I won't even know. 1. Due to the shootdown of a Russian A 50U AWACS aircraft, we assess there is an increased risk of so called punitive missile strikes against Ukraine targeting civilians and civilian infrastructure over the next 48 hours. 2. The Russian fall-winter offensive of 2023, which started on October 6, has culminated without achieving any operational or strategic goals. 3. We maintain it is unlikely that the United States will provide additional military or financial aid to Ukraine in 2024. 4. The continued impasse in the United States Congress to provide additional military aid to Ukraine and the passive response to Russian kinetic and hybrid aggression is contributing to Russia's expanding access with North Korea and Iran and global hybrid warfare. 5. We maintain the armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages that are directly impacting their ability to maintain existing defensive lines. 6. We maintain that Ukrainian forces no longer have the combat potential to engage in any offensive operations, and Russian troops are capable of additional tactical success and achieving limited operational goals. 7. The reduction in Ukrainian combat potential is a direct result of blocked aid from the United States and the European Union. 8. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chassiv Yar west of Bakhmut. 9. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient regardless of the cost and are maintaining a force of at least 40,000 troops. 10. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st-century combined arms-manoeuvre warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29th. 11. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. We are very troubled by the latest report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the lack of international attention. We begin in Kharkiv and Luhansk. In the Kupiansk Area of Operation, or AO, in Kharkiv Oblast, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and the Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armored, reported mutual fighting near Sinkivka. A Russian mail blogger reported that Ukrainian forces had significantly increased artillery activity from Orlanska to the east of Kislivka. Northwest of Krimina in Luhansk Oblast, fighting continued east of Makivka, with no change in the situation. West of Kremina, Russia launched a significant military operation involving up to a battalion. Attacks in the direction of Terny, Yampolivka, and Torske from the Luhansk-Donetsk administrative border were repulsed. Near Dubrova, a Russian battalion tried to advance on Ukrainian positions in the Serebransky woods. Russian forces suffered significant losses, including four armored vehicles, and retreated to their previously established defensive positions. In the Lysichanskayo, fighting continued east of Bilohorivka. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In the Sivrskoyo, Russian forces continued their attempts to advance from bilohorivka that's the one in Donetsk Oblast, in the direction of Vyimka. The operational objective is to flank Vesele and force a Ukrainian withdrawal from the settlement. In the Bakhmut AO, the number and intensity of attacks on the northern edge of Bogdanivka have dropped significantly, with Russian aerospace forces conducting air strikes on Ukrainian positions. Fighting continued near Chromove, with no change in the situation. Positional fighting restarted east of Ivanyivska with no change in the situation. In the Klishivka AO, Russian forces attempted to advance northwest of Klishivka, supported by armor suffered significant losses and retreated to the established defensive lines. Fighting continued east of Andreevka, with no change in the situation. Ukrainian forces continue to hold their defensive lines in southwest Donetsk. While Russia still has 40,000 troops in the area. there has been little change to the line of conflict since the last week of December. On the north flank, Russian forces continued to attempt to advance along the railroad grade southeast of Novobakhmutivka. Fighting continued along the railroad grade near Stepove and northeast of the Avdivka coke plant compound, south of the Tarakan, and northeast of the sewage treatment plant in the Duchess. On the southern flank, Russian troops engaged in positional fighting in the no-man's land between Vodiane and Severne and east of Первомайское and Nevalske. In the Marienka, Russian forces continued their attacks east of Krasnohorivka and Georgievka, and in the direction of Pobeda from Marinka. There was no change in the situation. In the Vugladaryo, Russian forces continued their attacks southwest of Novomikhailovka and the southern and eastern edges of the settlement. Russian and Ukrainian mail bloggers were equally pessimistic, with multiple sources from both combatants calling the situation difficult. In the Staromlynevka AO, Russian forces continued to attack Staromayorskaya from the west without success. A spokesperson for the armed forces of Ukraine, Oleksandr Štupun, said that Russian forces were increasing their use of K-51 chemical weapons grenades in violation of international humanitarian law and the Chemical Weapons Convention. Štupun accused Russia of using chloropicrin, a chemical weapon precursor. The K-51 grenade can't deliver chloropicrin, which destroys plastic. It is more likely that CS gas, better known as tear gas, is being used. Štupun said, quote, It's different. Well, there are two or three cases on average per day. There are mostly K-51 chloropicrin grenades. They cause skin irritation and tears, and if in high concentrations, our soldiers may experience vomiting and difficulty breathing. Unquote. In Zaporizhia, there was only light fighting recorded. In the Orichy mutual positional fighting continued west of Verbove, and Russian forces launched a single attack west of Robotene without success. On January the 14th, in occupied Melitopol, insurgents blew up a Russian U.S. Patriot infantry mobility vehicle, wounding all four occupants. In northern Ukraine, the Security Service of Ukraine detained a former private military company Wagner Group mercenary from Belarus near Kyiv. The Wagnerite was caught placing GPS location transmitters on large power transmission towers, likely to aid future drone and missile strikes. Here is the update for the Russian front. Pictures emerged of the Russian Il-22M that was hit by anti-aircraft fire on January 14th, showing significant damage to the tail section. We'll link to the photo in our situation report, and there is more information in the podcast description. Geolocated video of the plane at Anapa in krasnodar Krai confirmed the aircraft did land, with the firetruck paint scheme and license plate matching equipment at the Russian airport. It is believed that A-50U AWACS that was shot down crashed in the area of the Obutichna Spit, southwest of occupied Бородянск. In the Voronezh region, Armut claimed air defense shot down three missiles and an undisclosed number of drones in the city of Voronezh. Moscow insisted there were no casualties or hits. Based on Russian reports, either missile drone or air defense debris struck an apartment building. Local officials reported three people were wounded, including a child, and that windows were broken. Let's talk about theater-wide events. The deputy head of the Main Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, or Uhur Vadim Skibitsky, reported that Russian military equipment is being sent to the front lines as soon as it is produced, adding, We do not see Moscow significantly increasing the number of weapons and the volume of production of weapons and military equipment. Skibitsky believes that Belarus no longer has an adequate supply of munitions to support Moscow further. For missile production, the HUR believes Russia can still produce approximately 120 missiles a month, but which missiles are built are dependent on available parts. Quote, the production level depends on capacity utilization and on components because a lot of parts, for example, for the KH one oh one Kinzals, and Calibres, are foreign made. Unquote. The Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs of Poland, Andrzej Szejna, warned that if Russia wins in Ukraine, Europe will face a refugee crisis starting with Poland. Unquote. It cannot be ruled out that the Russian offensive will lead to a shift of the front to the west and lead to the fact that millions more Ukrainians will appear in Poland, particularly women and children. It would be a huge burden for Poland. The country's society should be ready for this. The Minister of Defense of the United Kingdom, Grant Shapps, said that the UK has trained over 60,000 Ukrainian soldiers since 2014, and remains committed to continue support. Shep also stated his belief that Ukraine could advance toward Crimea in 2024, but, quote, the West must not let Ukraine down. The president of Switzerland, Viola Amherd, committed to providing Ukraine with 1.5 billion francs in aid from 2025 to 2028. The money is earmarked for the reconstruction of civilian infrastructure. The spokesperson for the Ukrainian Air Force, Colonel Yuri Ignat, reported that Germany would be providing another RST air defense system by the end of the winter. The Canadian ambassador to Ukraine, Natal Katsmoj, said that Kyiv had been given a draft security agreement, similar to the one signed with the UK, which is currently in review. Washington, D.C. watchers are reporting that Speaker of the House Mike Johnson has walked from the Senate continuing resolution that includes U.S. immigration reforms and aid for Ukraine. The House was not in session on the 15th due to the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday and has four days left to pass a continuing resolution before part of the U.S. government shuts down. Johnson is reportedly in favor of not addressing immigration reform, military aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan or the Philippines, or humanitarian aid for Palestinians until after Donald Trump is elected president, and using continuing resolutions to fund the government and 2023 levels. We've updated the table for equipment losses on January 15, 2024, with information from the OREX database. The table includes Russian losses suffered during the Prigozhin Insurrection of June twenty third, twenty fourth. Subscribers to our Patreon get access, and there is more information in the podcast description. What's happening in the land of mobics, mobilization, and mir? I have a very short segment today. A Chechen soldier making a TikTok video produced a gem. It's been so long since the Ahmad TikTok brigade has delivered. While filming a burning Russian truck full of ammunition, our Chechen camera operator clearly did not understand what safe minimum distances are. Lucky for us, the cell phone he was using survived. Yes, it's visual, and information on how to access the video is in the podcast description. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews.